Welcome, welcome, welcome to Nodes in the Net, a weekly, tangential, irreverent conversation that caters to the interests of liminal trickster mysteries. Like you. Today's guest on Nodes in the Net is Christopher Burbridge, who is a TikTok friend of mine. And Chris is one of the first people I've ever talked to who seems to have like an actual grasp on spiral dynamics and systems theory and systems thinking in a cognitive way. I like I do know people or have met people or have worked with people who seem to understand how the little bits and pieces and cogs and gears and uh, you know complex systems of society sort of interweave and fit together. Um, but this is the first time that anyone has been generous enough to explain it to me in a way that uh, tickles my love of language and, uh, you know, like is, is really like genuinely easy to comprehend and uh, fit into the models that I already have of the world. And, you know, Chris says in this episode that once you get a grasp of systems thinking, you're going to realize that you've been doing it already uh and i found that to be true and it actually it inspired uh the little mini essay that i am about to read for you in just a minute here uh but before we launch into you know the ranty part of the intro i just want to plug a few things you've got uh ways to find me and contact me at creekmasons.com uh, you'll also be able to find links to Chris's TikTok projects and website and things like that there. Uh, you can also follow me and the Creek Masons on Twitter at Creek Masons and follow Nodes in the Net too for episode announcements. That's at Nodes in the Net. Uh, follow the Creek Masons TikTok account for sure. But I, I think that's probably all I needed to say. Uh, don't forget to sign up for the mailing list at creekmasons.com. Yeah, without too much further ado, uh, let me just launch into this essay, and then you'll be treated to a wonderful conversation uh, with Chris. Spiral dynamics, a systems theory approach to categorizing patterns of human thought, is, by its own classification system, a very imperfect yellow system. Just recorded a podcast with Chris Burbage that'll be a better primer on spiral dynamics than I can give in three minutes. But the gist on yellow thinking is that a person, culture, or concept that exhibits yellow traits is capable of the sort of polynosticism that liminal trickster mystics take pride in. Polynosticism is a kind of belief in many things, a philosophical pragmatism that recognizes the best elements of any pattern of thought and applies them effectively without getting too wrapped up in dogmatism. As a yellow system, spiral dynamics itself is predicated on recognizing that there is more than one way to model the world that will allow you to move through it while achieving your goals, getting along with others, and avoiding following through the cracks of society's systems. But here's the thing I've been thinking about a lot since this <laughs> excellent conversation with Chris. Even a model of models, a sort of meta-model, must inevitably fall short of the true gnosis available to the more quote-unquote, advanced modes of thought characterized by later stages in spiral dynamics. And I think that's fine. The defining characteristic of a model is that they always, always rely on simplification or reductionism if they aim to create a coherent, tightly packaged point, the kind of thing that you can act on. 
Too much truth is overwhelming to someone who relies on cognitive models to relate with and move through reality. Without a little corner cutting, you might get caught up in identifying what kind of strange slithering configuration of molecules sits in front of you, get bitten by the snake you're stuck analyzing, and die. Of course, the Buddhists point out that with too much corner cutting, you might die of fright because you haven't grokked that the rope in the corner is not a snake at all. Personally, I need constant reminders that my models aren't reality. Any story, any narrative, any attempt at identifying a pattern will necessarily be less complex than the reality it is superimposed atop. You might need a model to know the sun will rise, but it's gnosis to experience the sun's gentle heat on your cool skin. You know it for its wonderful pleasure with no need for language. I'm interested in figuring out how to generate more of that gnosis. Systems theory is the best thing available if you want to act intelligently in service of all beings, but to really perform right action, maybe deep unconscious knowing can't be beat. Amidst the universe's infinite complexity, models, whether manic prophecy or tantalizing paranoia, can never prepare me to act better than the wisdom my body contains. Chris, welcome to Nodes in the Net. Thank you. Hi. Uh, so, uh, Chris, we met on TikTok. Uh, I mean, a couple of the people I've had on recently are like Otto and Jonathan of Worlds Arise, and uh, and I I noticed you commenting on their videos. I think like what actually got me to follow you originally uh, was a comment about Charles Eisenstein. Uh, who I consider to be like the quintessential, quintessential liminal trickster mystic. Um, yeah, I, I think that he's like a perfect example of the uh, archetype. And we were we were talking about that a bit before we started. Uh, and you promised you had some ideas on it. Uh, mm -hmm. So <laughs> I'll let I'll let you talk. But before we uh jump in let me draw a tarot card Ooh, we got the king of wands um which feels appropriate because right before we hit record uh you mentioned that the archetype that fits you best is the magician and mm -hmm. wands is kind of the fiery willpower suit uh, the king oh. of every suit is like the ultimate you know full uh, manifestation of that energy into the earth plane. Um, mm. So this is this is like a combination of like will and and manifestation and um, yeah and yeah I, uh, yeah you know where do, where does that what does that bring up uh, for you? Yeah, so um, I'm very much in like I suppose in the broadest sense in the awakening conversation, the enlightenment conversation. Um, if you want to call it a conversation, I, I was first, I first became obsessed with that idea when I was 14 years old. So, you know, a lot of things have happened. Yeah. In the intervening 
42 years. Yeah. Um, and so, but there's a really interesting continuum between, um, I guess you could call it a more masculine approach or a more feminine approach. I don't know. Like, um, <clears throat> one way to look at it is that the Buddha, the Buddha's approach was to ascend, like we've got to get out of this loop mm-hmm. and here's the way to get out of the loop. Samsara. Um, sort of like the goal is to get out of the loop. Yeah. Um, but then there's another impulse, which is to learn how to play in the loop. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, not putting any shade on Buddhism. I'm sure I'm, you know, like, of course that other aspect must be in there somewhere, but the emphasis seems to be on the getting out of the loop part. But then there's the, like, how do we play? And that's the fire. That's the fire of like, I know I'm mm-hmm. here to do stuff. And, um, sometimes it's really aggravating because like, I can be pretty darned aware of just like the joy of the beingness, right? Of just like the presence of beingness. And I I can be in that a lot. But then there's stuff I've got to do. There's stuff I've got to make. Like there's that, you know, that impulse, um, which is part of life. You know, it's part of the very aspect of of what makes something living being thing is like to to do more, to make more out of out of Mm. the same that all of a sudden become something new and I'm here to do that. And I know I'm here to do that. And so I am positional. I am situated here. I'm situated in this moment to make stuff happen. You know what I mean? And there's a tension there. There's a tension that's often pretty uncomfortable. I, 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 I chew Mm -hmm. up a lot. I'm trying to chew, uh, chew on a lot. I'm trying to (laughs) chew on as much as I possibly can you know, to yeah. like, let's move this thing. I do care about it. I want to see it move and change and happen. And I'm not, I'm not just, um, I have, I have, I have a vested interest in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so yeah. one of my, um, I guess you could say like one of my teachers is this guy, Paul Selig, um, who, Oh, I know Paul Selig really well. I mean, I know his work very well. Yeah, I, I, I've like read all the books uh, probably more than once each. Um, but uh, one of the things that the guides say, as you probably know, is that it's not so much about what we do with our hands or, you know, like what actions we take in order to improve the world. It's our like we, we improve the world by being. And it's like this concept of morphic resonance. And I think it aligns in a new agey kind of way with the Buddhism thing that you were talking about, where you're kind of escaping your programming. Uh, That's like Mm -hmm. one loop, I think, in the conditioning and the, um, you know, mental colonization that's happened. But Mm -hmm. I feel the same way you do, where it's like, I I don't feel like I can help my desire. I mean, I'm on a podcast right now, right? Like Mm -hmm. I I can't stop writing. I'm addicted to it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, it feels, uh, to bring Charles Eisenstein back into the conversation, it feels like what's mine to do is yep. to, you know, contribute to the dismantling of a, of a corrupt and, and broken system as best I can and to empower people, uh, to live in their authentic truth and, you know, uh, to subsist in a way that uh, brings them joy and fulfillment, you know, which it's, yeah. it can be hard to get in capitalism. 
It's the big problem. It's the big dilemma. Um, I was just writing about that because I'm taking a um, I'm taking a Capra course. Uh, French F. Capra has taught this systems thinking course. He's he he wrote the <clears throat> Tao of Physics way back in the '70s when I was a little boy. He <laughs> kind of became fam famous for that. He was the first person to integrate the ideas of quantum physics and um, Eastern mysticism. But Ooh. he's become a real authority in um, how to integrate systems thinking into everything from biology to economics and how to mm. look systemically at everything. And so it's wonderful. You, it's so enlightening. I love it. I'm going to turn to um, can you Can you give me uh, like a – a brief overview of systems thinking. I like, I know that's something I probably could have just Googled, but like, uh, well, I'm very curious about I, it. Yeah. Um, um, systems thinking as a science, what happened was, um, we'll start there and then I'll say some other things. Um, as a yeah. science, I think part of what happened was in the early 60s, um, they started to try to develop a mathematics to explain chaos, to explain, mm -hmm. um, to, well, that's how chaos theory was born. Chaos theory was a way to try and explain, let's say if you look at the patterns in a swirling um, stream, right, mm -hmm. for example, you could you could you could theoretically predict the patterns. They're based on principles of physics, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, but how on earth can you possibly model that? And this was before computer yeah. modeling. How on earth would you model that? Whoops. So then, he, um, that's where uh, nonlinear mathematics, I guess, started. So, mm. um, and then when Fritjof said that when he first was in school. They didn't have a way to talk about the math of how all this happened, really. So they had to dumb it down. They had to linearize the equations. They would say, well, here's how we can linearize this equation to approximate what's really going on in all those interactions. Uh, we know that's not really what it is. And then what happened somewhere in the 60s, um, they developed computers that were powerful enough to start actually modeling all of the complex interactions. And it uh -huh. turns out that um, to, to represent a linear equation, you can represent it best by math, by a math equation, but mm. to represent a nonlinear equation, nonlinear dynamics, you actually better to represent it by like, um, a, 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 a fractal or an image or wow. because there's no, it's constant. It's all you can do is show all the interactions, but that, that's one of the things that started to crash science out of linearity which had started all the way back in with Descartes yeah you know, and the Cartesian split and all of that um where we became so good at dissecting things and that gave us so much power that we got caught in that mm. Yeah, the um, analytical uh, mind breaking things. Yeah, apart. and 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 yeah. So, um, if I was to say, um, you know, what's your value? And from an extreme reductionist point of view, I could say, well, we could if we could scan all of your uh, uh, 
elements that make up the molecules in your body, we could make a spreadsheet and we <laughs> could um, look <laughs> at the value of each element and we could say, well, this must be your value, right? Oh God, that sounds that, awful. That, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? But so the that so much more of the value of things is actually in the pattern, the pattern that holds the coherence of that form. And there's a term, it's central in all this called autopoiesis, which mm. is a little bit like homeostasis. Homeostasis is more commonly known like, well, you know, the thermostat keeps us at a certain temperature or um, if we're hungry, we eat and that, and that keeps our body in homeostasis and we're not hungry, you know, that turns off and keeps us balanced, right? Or our, if it gets really hot, we sweat and that puts us in homeostasis, which is a simpler yeah. concept. But autopoiesis is this idea that every living thing um, maintains a membrane of some kind that hmm. keeps it in coherence as a form. So um, it has a boundary. You have a boundary, I have a boundary, a tree has a boundary. That boundary lets things in selectively that it needs. It keeps hmm. things out that it doesn't want or that okay. doesn't need right now. It, it's, it's dynamically interacting with the environment. And it actually learns. It learns as it goes. So um, it can take successive impressions. Um, and I think they even show that that's true with plants, you know, and um, probably even bacteria that it can learn over time. And so it changes in relation to the environment. It maintains this dynamic balance with the environment. Okay. It's in constant conversation with the environment, and yet somehow it maintains its own coherence as a pattern, as a form. Yeah. That's, uh, that's inner being, isn't it? Uh... It's, yeah, it's kind of a non-dualism where you're you're simultaneously like the part and the whole, and there's interaction between you and the environment. I get it. Is it? it would you say that a human's membrane is? I mean, physical. Even is it skin, or is it like a cognitive thing? Where like right now you're sort of. Uh, to use a gross word, penetrating my membrane, uh, <laughs> you know, like you, I, this, this is yeah. all completely new information to me. I'm trying to absorb mm, it. Is yeah. that, that metaphor yeah. to absorb literal? Well, I want to make a footnote here, which is that knowing even as much as I know of who you are, this is just an interesting side topic. That's so mind blowing. Even, even just knowing as much as I do about you already, um, the more you get systems thinking, the more you will realize that you already had it. And the more mm. you will realize, and yet, even though you'll realize that that's how you were thinking, the fact that you now have language for it, of thinking structures with which to understand it better, will accelerate everything. I mean, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I need that. That's the whole fractal thing that just blows my mind. Okay. I keep trying to <laughs> talk about it. So descending back into the conversation that we were having, um, 
um, so what was your question? We, we penetrate, um, yeah, okay, okay, no, no. So this is actually something I want to credit uh, Jonathan, Worlds Arise. We've been bouncing back and forth as I've been reading different books and different things. It's, it's been evolving. So um, first of all, yes, human culture can be shown to be, have, I think, yeah, all of the components of what is an autopoetic living system. Yes. Mm. Um, and just as I said a few minutes ago, that um, obviously we cannot be reduced to our uh, elements to see what our value is mm -hmm. or what's special or what's important about us. By the same token, it's still reductionist if you only study human beings as an animal that happens to have a brain and a mind. Yeah. It's extremely reductionist because you end up thinking like, okay, we're just, well, we study animals. Animals are easy to, like, we have, we have clear biology. We have a mechanistic models for studying. You know, that's, that we like mechanistic things. So we can study yeah. humans in the same way and we can sort of mechanisticize everything about them and like that, keep them in that box, right? But it's like, yeah. Um, this is the big realization that I've been coming to and we've been blowing each other's minds is um, human beings would not be human beings without culture. Mm. So yeah, I'm going to give a, this is a really concrete example that makes it much more clear. And then I can make another example that's less clear, but very important. Mm -hmm. um, there's a book I read several years ago called Stealing Fire. And Stealing Fire is oh, yeah. a really interesting book uh, by a, uh, uh, an Anthropolog evolutionary anthropologist yeah. about, and he makes a very coherent argument with lots of evidence that says the moment when we started using fire was the moment when we started becoming human because yeah. fire allows us to release a lot more of the caloric contents of the food right. more efficiently, and therefore our brains grew bigger, and therefore we became human. Mm. So that already means that you couldn't just study a human being in a lab and say, this is what you are, without understanding their, their, a, a, a cultural behavior right. there. In other words, we're already in, in that, even at that point, we're already in relation to a cultural behavior of our humanness that relates to a thing in the world that then makes us human. Yeah. It's, uh, it's inseparable. You, you can't yep. reduce a human. Exactly. To... Right. Yep. And this is right. already very much systems thinking because this is very much like if you have to see it that way, you have to see it that way. This is the way to see it, right? And then once you see it, you can't unsee it. And yeah. you're urged to boil it, boil it down to some reductionist thing. You just toss that away. Yeah. So, and I then mean, you start uh, looking, sorry, then you start looking at, okay, so since that's true, how do we look at systems? How do we, how do we, you know, how do we look at that? How do we talk about it that way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so a bunch of stuff is coming up for me. Like, 
we, we've got like kind of the Skinner box behavioralism that's, uh, that's propagated by like the surveillance capitalist, you know, economy mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Uh, our mm-hmm. phones treat us like, uh, you know, like addicts who can be triggered with outrage or shame or fear or whatever into devoting right. our attention into those like objects. And and it seems like the project of, you know, even apps like TikTok is to mm-hmm. e- either nudge us into more predictable patterns uh, so that we can mm-hmm. be reduced to like linear math or mm-hmm. to... Um, like I think the way that these companies are making money now is by selling behavioral futures where they're the, you know, like on a, on a meta market, mm-hmm. they're, they're selling right. like, you know, this person is likely to go out to eat on Friday. And yeah. so, you know, I'm going to sell that to you and then you can advertise to them. Uh, and, Absolutely. and like the ability, how does that, how does that square yeah. with systems thinking? Um, well, the best way I have to talk about that would be to talk about spiral dynamics. Do you know, have you heard of spiral dynamics yet? It's on my reading list, but I haven't, yeah. I haven't gotten there um, yet. That's the central conversation for me right now in a way. So, but I'll say a few more things about how we are not, we are, so we've already established here that, you know, if you assume that his evidence is true, which is very convincing and I buy it, you know, that we are you can't describe what it means to be human without understanding that we cook with fire, right? Mm-hmm. Now the raw foodists might argue against that, but I would argue that we are living in a culture now where we can, we have come, uh, you know, we can make that argue. I have an argument against that. Um, <laughs> but um, so um, let's see. Oh, there's a book that I started reading recently called the, the, the knowledge illusion mm. and it's by some cognitive scientists. And basically I think the reason they wrote the book was because they wanted people to understand how much they think they know, but don't know. Yeah. Cause you know, it was probably written, you know, around 2020, like where a lot of really interesting work has been done in so many directions to try to help us understand what's true and real and what's like bullshit, you know what I mean? Basically yeah. <laughs> and like develop our discernment. So I think that was probably the main reason they wrote the book. But um, so there's a, there's a basic thing that they can show in cognitive science, which is that we think we know a lot more than we do. So there's a set. So if I, if I told you if you're on average, you know, um, or very, very broadly, um, there's a, I could say on a scale of one to seven, uh, how confident are you that you understand how a toilet works or a car yes. or other things like that you deal with every day? Right? And you're likely yeah. to say, oh, I'm, I'm a five, I'd be a five. I know how the toilet works, right? Even <laughs> when I read it, I thought, oh, I know how the toilet works. I fixed a few toilets, you know, the flo- this yeah. other things and all that. And then they explain to you how a toilet works. And then they yeah. say... Now, on a scale of one to seven, how confident are you that you know how well a to- how a toilet works? And yeah. they'll say, oh, "I'm a three. You know, I'm a two. Like, yeah. And so it turns well, that's, out, uh, that, yeah. The, uh, sorry, <laughs> like uh, I, I think I, I fall with Socrates on this one. Like, if, if I'm, if I'm wise at all, it's only because I know that I know nothing. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 
Exactly, exactly. Right, right, right. Um, but I think there's, I think this is a fundamental feature. Like we can override it. Like you might be overriding it at different points by a by a next level layer of of uh, conscious cognition. But our default is to assume this. I think so, and there's reasons for it. So if evolutionarily, I need information. Information is extremely valuable to me. Like I'm in a little tribe and they're hunting mammoths or whatever like that. It's extremely valuable to me to know. So like if you tell me uh, you saw some mammoths, you know, coming down the road like 10 yeah. miles away or whatever. I don't know. Um, and um, I now know that. The important thing for me is that I have now incorporated that into my body of what is true. Mm. Here's what's not important about that. Um, what's not important about that evolutionarily is where I got the information or whether I saw it myself. Mm. If you think about tribes where there's bands of trust that we all have going to trust each other, we know each other, yeah. we work together and all that, I, I have reason to trust you. Cognitively, there's a lot of evolutionary advantage for me to not worry about every little piece of data and say, how do I know this is true? I mean, you could be, meanwhile, a saber-toothed tiger is like, ah, and, you know, it killed you while you're trying <laughs> to figure that out and muse about the nature of reality, right? So um, yeah. effectively what this means is that we actually work as a collective mind, and so here's an example, and then I'll, I'll say more about that. Um, he talks about um, the mammoth hunts. So very, mm -hmm. very early on in our history, um, mammoths and these other giant mammals had no predators whatsoever until human beings came along. Yeah. Because of our patterns, this is all patterns, by the way. This is a good example of how patterns are incredibly powerful. All of our advantages patterns, almost all of it. It's like how, how much of it is our strength? Not a whole lot. It's our patterns. It's our new pa novel yeah. patterns. Okay. So then the division of labor was very strong there. So there might be the shaman that would be able to imitate the mammoth and, and, pull, it, and pull it into a canyon. And then other people's job was to... Uh, corral it from behind and scare it and maybe scare it off a cliff or I don't know, or, and other people's job was to process the hide and so on and so on and so on. And so there was already right. a huge division of labor um, and everyone was operating as a collective organism and everyone collectively knew all of this and worked at, worked as a team. So there again, how do you say a human being is a human being in isolation? Yeah, you can't. I was just listening to this Ezra Klein podcast. Oh, no, it was um, Chris Hayes. Why is this happening? And he was talking to somebody who had um, done a present time analysis of the Communist Manifesto. It was really beautiful. And mm. he said something about that, that like a human being, you can't take a human being and say, this is what it's like to be human. We yeah. are as our interrelationships. Sure, you can take one human in a laboratory and say, what can you say about that? But again, it's the relationships that make us. Yeah. 
Ja. I wonder how the apps that we use and the, you know, the products like Google and Facebook that uh, perform these predictions are able to get, you know, such accurate pictures of who we are. I mean, they must be taking into account our, uh, you know, our social connections in, in these. Um, but like, we're, we're sort of yeah. dancing around a question that is mm-hmm. like very central to me right now mm-hmm. about like kind of free will versus determinism. Oh. And, uh, yeah. and I, I love the example that you're giving the like picture is so vivid in my head of all these humans, like collaboratively taking down a mammoth and <laughs> like any one of those people couldn't have accomplished the whole job themselves. Right. Right. Uh, and so without that collaboration and that division of labor and through the division of labor, they become more specialized and better mm-hmm. at their individual jobs. So even if they were like a tribe of polymaths, they probably wouldn't have been as successful at uh, ensuring that their children's 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 children, whatever, uh, would invent laptops or whatever. You know, like mm-hmm. we we might not have been here. Oh, my dog is barking. I'm gonna have to shut her up. Give me a sec. Sorry. You want to talk about the magic of our interconnectedness? Uh, mm-hmm. The it's inevitable that you start recording a podcast. Someone turns on a leaf blower. Uh, uh, yeah, by yeah. blasting music. <laughs> a package <laughs> is delivered. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. It seems inevitable. Sorry about that. There's a in tech. There's a term called the demo effect, where it looked worked perfectly fine over and over again, and all of a sudden, when it's time to demo it, it has a problem. Or <laughs> yeah, right. Your 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 UATs always uh, end up uh, mm. getting getting wonky. I know what you mean. Um, okay, so what you're saying is you're curious about how. Um, how they how they're able to predict so much about our behavior, basically. Is that what yeah, you're that's that's more or less the the thrust of of what I'm confused by. Because if I mean, if we have these semi permeable membranes, uh, that suggests that there's some level of discernment that is occurring within the membrane that's deciding like what, what's allowed in and what's not. And it seems like really easy to hijack that uh, discernment and uh, you know, like steer us toward outcomes that are, you know, in, in my view, not super pro social and not necessarily uh, like I was saying earlier, like not fulfilling to us as social beings. Well, let's talk about spiral dynamics because that'll help us. Uh, that'll help us out of this. And, and, and um, I've been realizing lately that f- what, what's so cool about frameworks. I love frameworks, and I was doing some writing the other day about why frameworks in general are so awesome. Mm. Frameworks can help you see parts you hadn't thought of, or help you fill in the data in a way that makes you come to completely new conclusions, or 
contextualize. I think I think spiral dynamics as a framework can even contextualize the disasters of global capitalism as a stage. It doesn't say whether we're going to make it, but it talks about that. So, mm. yeah, I've, I've heard of spiral dynamics. What, yeah, what is, I'll give you a little I, overview. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. So this guy, Claire Graves in the fifties, social re- psychologist at some small university in Indiana or something, um, became really curious about how people ticked and why people seem to tick in different ways. And he conducted thousands of interviews with people without any particular aim at what he was going to find, mm. but just wondering to one and ask them lots of questions, all kinds of professions, backgrounds, genders, races, and everything, just like huge swath of different people. He just wanted to see what the patterns were, you know, how do people think and solve problems in life and, and deal with the world and relate to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came up with a system. What he what he discovered apparently was that there were very distinct patterns, um, and and his his he was extremely nerdy, and so his naming system for these mm-hmm. patterns was very confusing. Um, and so mm-hmm. then later on, um, there's another guy named Don Beck who just died fairly recently, who mm. work, got to work with Claire Graves for about 10 years of his career and then took the work on forward. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, when I use terminology, we'll use the Beck terminology because that's where it got to be a thing. If you hear people talk about the different colors and stuff like that, that's yeah. on Beck. Okay. So, um, and he talks about them variously as memes, um, levels, but, they're, they're always careful to get away from making it seem like a one is better than the other per se. Okay. Yeah. Cause they don't want to get caught in that trap. And yet like maybe more like they're la- layers of an onion. So there could be more like development, developmental layers. You definitely would see these layers in a human being as they're growing up from a baby to adulthood. Okay. And then reaching one layer or another of how far they reach. Uh, and then you can also look at whole societies and where we are generally in that development mm-hmm. as a society. And then individuals can be at different places within it too. Okay. So very briefly, and then maybe I'll pause to like, you know, you can ask me some questions about the, how it's confusing still or whatever. So mm-hmm. the beige layer is um, survival. It's basic survival. Um, the beige layer is the only layer. The beige layer is like the default operating system. Are you, by the way, a computer science person at all or just curious? Uh, yeah, I, I, I work in tech. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, this is a great, there's, there's sometimes with this stuff, so many good metaphors, like, but they're, you know, they might only re- relate to certain people. So, in a computer, there's a thing called a BIOS, B-I-O-S, Basic Input-Output System. And what mm-hmm. that is is basically some firmware so that, like, if I, um, if I pr- even if all my software on my Mac here is screwed, if I, or it doesn't even know what the software is, if I press start 
a screen will come up that says you try to boot and try to initiate basic survival stuff for the computer, you could say. Right. Yeah, it's it's built in. Doesn't need doesn't even really need culture. Um, I don't know if you know if it needs language or not. You know, it's like it's yeah. the, that's the bias. That's what I think of as the beige system. It's like you really could drop someone anywhere, and as long as their instincts are working properly, they will freaking survive. Right. Mm-hmm. That's beige. Okay. So then, after that, we evolved into tribes. Uh, in the purple stage that were um, connected and and enmeshed in a coherence of collective sort of tribal identity that saw everything in the world as alive, as intelligent, as... Mm. Um, animism. As It's animism. So like, but you, you might say, we've got to appease these spirits that we want to treat us well and watch out for those other spirits um, and say thank you to these spirits. Um, so there's a lot, of, you know, a lot of beautiful things about animism, right? About that enmeshment and so on. So partly what happens with these layers is that they alternate between one that's very self-oriented and then one that's very us-oriented, and then one that's very self-oriented, and then one that's very us-oriented. They, they all, they keep doing that. And this is apparently the pattern that he saw, and it makes sense to me. Um, so um, obviously the beige is like all about me, I need to survive. And then the next one was all about us. It was about the we, the collective, even that we're enmeshed in, a, in where everything's alive and everything's intelligent. Okay. And then out of that came the red. The red in, in, in developmental terms as a child, I think, is like the terrible twos, where it's like all of a sudden the child says no. The child says, I want what I want. The child says, um, me, mine, you know, like I'm hungry, I, you know. And so um, the red level, I think, is the birth of the ego. I think it's the birth of the ego in um, the child, and it's the birth of the ego or the recognition of a separate self in the culture, right? Mm. And so, but it's, it doesn't have a conscience. And it, it doesn't have a sense of like, there's no guilt. It's, it's pre-guilt. It's just like, um, you know, uh, people talk about the cartels are an example of that. Or um, maybe the Vikings or uh, the Romans or uh, the Mongols. Until Mongols, yeah, thank you, the Mongols. So it's like the logic, the internal logic of that, I call it thinking system. Um, that thinking system is I want it, I get it, and I've got to stay in power to keep getting it. So mm. gangs, obviously, also, um, hmm. like street gangs or whatever. Um, and right. my justification, if I have it, is that I'm, I, I deserve it. Yeah. And so one of the interesting things about this as a bit of a side note is that um, you can you, you could devolve back down into or you know you could go back down into one of these more fundamental layers if you need to. So obviously all of us might go down to the fun, the most fundamental layer of all of beige if we are like absolutely threatened with something that's hurling at us, right? I mean um, yeah. but then 
Mm. So like, but you could, you could cer certainly argue that, um, the red level, like why are there, why are there these gangs that come up, like say in LA or whatever, every, you know, not just to pick on LA, all parts of the world, there's gangs that come up. Mm -hmm. It often seems like it's because there's a lack of structure. There's, I mean, there's a lack of opportunity. There's a lack of safety. Yeah. You're already feeling endangered. So you better freaking learn how to hold a gun or whatever. Like right. that's, that you're pulled back into that logic. So like if you look at um, South Sudan, I think is in that now, or, you know, these warring states or may maybe Yemen, I don't know, but like these warring states where there's, there's technically a state, but there's not really a functionally a state and, or parts of Haiti is getting to be like that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not like crazy up to date on world events, but I do understand, you know, on a, on a basic level that if you can't rely on, the infrastructure of society for your protection and safety and security, it makes sense that you might, um, I, you know, have to rely on your neighbor yeah. or, you know, whatever. Right. And yeah, it starts to have its own internal coherence that just makes sense. It just works. It's just like, I mean, I could imagine that I could imagine being in so much threat all the time that I would be like, and then probably people around me might be, also starting to be using violence or being in threat too, right? So they would be like, yeah. here's a logic, you know, you can pick up a gun. And like, um, you, when you hear people that grew up in gang uh, cultures th that had a lot of that, and they say like, it was very hard to resist that. Like it was, that was yeah. the temptation. That was the going thing. That was the solution. That was the obvious solution. So, yeah. Right. So then um, what happens then uh, at, um as a huge shift from the red into the blue. So um, the blue, all, all of a sudden what happens is that the prop, so each, each, each thinking system creates, solves problems that the other one had, the one before it had. Okay. And allows us to expand in different ways. I mean, that's interesting, but so, um, and then it creates its own problems. Yeah, of course. But it, it is a spiral, so it is evolutionary. It's not just like, oh, God, we're caught on a samsara. It's like we are, mm -hmm. we keep, it, there is an evolutionary thing to it, right? But like um, the blue meme was the Catholic Church. The blue meme was um, the medieval structures. The blue meme was, um, the, the blue meme is the law of the book. If you're very much in deeply inside the blue meme or thinking system, I use those interchangeably. If you're deeply inside that thinking system, the logic is that our Bible or our manifesto or our um, premiere or whatever tells us the right way. And all we have to do is believe them and everything will work out. Mm. And so it solved a huge problem with the red, which is like people don't like being like pillaged. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it created incredible amount of order. I mean, it created as much as they talked about the Romans being red. I mean, the Romans must have been really blue because you can't expand that far without lots of lots of state apparatus. I don't know. So, but like definitely the Catholic church. And, yeah, I, I think I think if if I'm understanding right, like the Pope would be the central figure. Yeah, like yeah, what you're well, I mean, the Bible. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, um, you will be rewarded in heaven for delayed gratification now. And um, it's, okay. it's a sin to not believe because that's a sign all will be lost if you don't believe, right? But if you do believe and if that works for you, it's very comforting and it probably provides a ton of useful things to you and it's very comforting. And okay. the blue is the first thing. We're mostly still in blue. Yeah. As a plan. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But then um, we have a lot of orange and orange is capitalism. So mm. then what happens if you look that it's like the rise of like mercantilism and the mm -hmm. Renaissance and the rise of science and the rise of like, so you notice also, it's interesting, this, this me, us thing. So like red is very much me. It's unadulterated me. It's just me, period, right? Yeah. Um, and then blue is like us, we must give in to the us and we will all be fine and the us will reward us and keep us safe and everything. Right? It, it feels like blue is like cult thinking where you're like, you're sort of homogenous mm -hmm. with a group based on a central figure or mm -hmm. idea. Is, is that right? Yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, it's um, interesting to, that's a tr tricky question of, when is something a cult is, you know, and what, are, yeah. when are religions yeah. cults and right. Or were they just accepted cults or, you know, I mean, sometimes or uh, yeah. It's thorny. Um, but yeah. So then the orange with also, there was a sign of when these things started to come out and they've been coming out faster and faster. So the, um, I guess maybe 300 years ago, um, the mercantilism, the industrial revolution, all that stuff, like, Descartes, um, you know, is all coming out and this incredible explosion of <laughs> literally almost of like the fossil fuels and like this yeah. incredible acceleration and all the things that that's brought us, right? That thinking system. But the important thing to remember, this is the thing about capitalism. For the people that that is still working for, in their thinking system, mm -hmm. that is true and coherent. And the logic of the thinking system is something like, I will achieve, I will succeed, I will use the structures to my benefit to mm -hmm. Succeed. The signs of my success will be the fruits around me, the Lamborghinis, the, mm -hmm. um, you know, we are probably completely confused by someone that would care about that stuff beyond a certain point. But for, in, yeah. but when you're in that thinking system, it, it is true. Right. right. So um, we might come back to that because it's such an important point. So, each thinking system is coherent within itself and provides a set of solutions. I mean, you could sort of see the solutions that capitalism or orange, you know, capitalism being the strongest example, provided to people. I mean, look what we have. We're talking through magic yeah. boxes right now. Um, it's impossible what we're doing. 
completely impossible for yeah. what 99.999% of the human experience. Yeah. Until the very last microsecond of time. Yeah, basically. exactly. Um, <laughs> so it, it can be pretty tricky to say, well, capitalism solved a lot of problems because now we're in this situation where it's like, it's very hard to go. Well, yeah, but like, did it solve problems? Like it's where we're in this, you know, ridiculous situation. Okay. Um, with me so far? Basically. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the um, the organizing principle of orange, it sounds like, is um, instead of like a singular thing, it's like a network of things. Is that is that the way? Like a market or I don't know. Am um, I- that's a really good I, – I feel like I have a, maybe a harder time to express that. And I've just read a lot about this stuff. It's not like I – you know, but – um, it yeah. just resonates so much. Um, but um, I think if you put yourself in the headspace of your cousin who is really excited about their high paying job and, or your yeah. whoever, you know, or, or you just look at and you just open up with enough empathy and enough compassion to see where they're coming from and feel how excited mm-hmm. and enthusiastic they are that might give you some clues into like how true it is for them that like money will bring them the thing they want and it's all going to work out. Let me, let me try again. So in the previous thinking system, we had like sort of group cohesion as the, the thing that brought fulfillment in this one. It's more, um, status within the group as demonstrated right. by material possessions. Yeah. Or- well, if you think about, yeah, if you think about in comparison to the red, I'm thinking of it as a harmonic of the red. So the red was like, literally, I just want this. I'm going to take it. I'm going to, you know, rape and pillage basically. Like if, you know, as a society, that's, that was the level, right? Um, yeah. And the justification is that I can. Um now, once you filter that through the blue of like morality and right and wrong and stuff, you cannot be that simple anymore. Like you have to be more like, I'm going to utilize the structures with a lot more strategy, a lot more craft, a lot more skillfulness and a sense, some moral sense, right? Um, yeah. That, but I'm, I'm, but basically I'm going to get what I want. If I'm very strongly orange, I'm going to get what I want. But you can point to people that are, are explaining why this is completely logical so like there's that fame there's milton friedman i guess in like 1972 or something he point he he i guess was the economist that made the argument for why the bottom line of money was the only thing companies should think about so he he purified it he purified it more extremely or then um uh, the Gordon Gecko quote where he said greed is good that became like this emblem of the 90s and like I really, that's per- perfect example. Greed is good because, yeah, they're basically, uh, attention is on themselves, but they um, believe it will all be for the good. So if you think of somebody who, um, tech fixes, tech, there's a tech fix for everything. Yeah. Right? But once you're, when you're in that bubble, it seems true. Until you've exhausted that bubble, it seems true. Right. Okay. So it's kind of a like a maximizing rational self-interest 
uh, like homo economicus. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. If you look at the um, the way our current system is is functioning, that's orange, and it's interesting yeah. because um, the the bulk of people probably are still more in uh, blue, but the orange ones are the ones that are controlling it, right? Yeah, right. The capitalists, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a maybe it's a higher octave of like what what it can accomplish, and it's like accomplishing a lot, much of which we're very unhappy about right now. But it's accomplishing a lot. Yeah, it's it's very effectively destroying the ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, and if you think of if you think of it's yeah, it's very effectively accomplishing the wrong goal. But like um, <laughs> if you think of how long blue could survive in like the Middle Ages, how long that period lasted, and like then all of a sudden you have the Renaissance. Blah, 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 it's going so faster, faster, faster. Like that three hundred years we've been in this or whatever is is a very short time. Yeah. Definitely. So you were, I think, I think it's complicated, but I think I, I'm on board. Um, did yeah. they postulate something after uh, orange? Oh yeah. 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 This is where it gets really great. Um, okay. So then in the sixties, the green meme or the green thinking system came out. The green thinking system was a response to, the horrors of the orange system and the blue system. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, you can have healthy or unhealthy of any of them too. So that's, that's an interesting wrinkle, you know? Um, yeah. But um, that was the hippie times. That was, that was the Vietnam war uh, yeah. movement. So that was the civil rights movement. Um, that was um, all of that stuff that went on. So my liberal left-wing Berkeley roots are very, very, very much embedded in green. Or when, um, and um, I read somewhere, which is really interesting, that like green actually requires a lot of privilege in a way because yeah. green, in my words, is a little naive because green is like, can't we all get along if only we just love each other? then everything mm. would be great. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm being polemical about it, but I don't think so. I think that's really the problem with it. So, like, um, you can only put a daisy into the barrel of a gun. That's only going to do so much. Yeah. It, it, you know, if you've seen those pictures from the Vietnam yeah, War. Yeah, the like, Kent State. You know. Like, um, so... Or actually, the, the 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 really strong liberal general thing is is very very green. So there's those signs that say you've probably seen "Love is love." I believe in science. We all just need to yeah. get along. Everything is great. Like and and just love each other and be kind. And that's yeah. awesome. Of course, that's very beautiful. And it's about it's about, it was about the earth. It was about connection. None of that is bad. This is beautiful, right? I mean, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, it also came from a place of privilege too, because you, it, it, what it doesn't understand is what about power? What about? Um, 
I, I guess you could say it's sim it's simplistic in its logic, in its beautiful logic. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. it's simplistic you in know, its beautiful logic. Anytime I see one of those signs, I want to like I want to buy a, a Make America Great Again hat and just like oh. pretend to be a MAGA person, knock on the door and try and like sell them on voting for Trump or something is like kindness above all. I wonder how far that stretches, you know, but. Oh uh, yeah. See, but this is the thing, Jeff, this is the thing. What is it in you that makes you want to do that? That's the yellow urge. That's the urge to integrate these things, which we'll talk about in a second, because that's exactly what is that impulse to be like to nudge that, and so one of the things about, okay, so green, we get up to green, right? And green is the last of the tier one thinking systems. Mm -hmm. And all of the tier one thinking systems, part of their inherent coherence of their logic is all these other people are crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah. These people are crazy. It doesn't understand anything about any of the other ones. So that's that's part of the downfall of the green. It wants to be tolerant of everyone as long as they're not these terrible blah, blah, blah people. It doesn't know how to integrate. It knows how to hold this beautiful harmonic vision of the world, which is lovely, but it doesn't know how to integrate all the other perspectives. It, it's, it's fixed on that. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, how, how can you, how can you possibly, I mean, it, it, what's coming up for me is like being tolerant of intolerance. Uh, like, yeah, that's an impossible conundrum for the green. That's not possible because each of the, of those systems up to this one, including this one, that one, um, center around a truth. Right. They cohere. See, this is a systems thinking thing that I've been really thinking a lot about. Um, emotional and mental stability is very, very important to us. Yeah. It's incredibly important. And we need to really understand that and respect that and realize that when we're thinking about system change and cultural change, how very important it is also to us to have, you know, how dis unsettling it can be for us if people change our challenge our values too much too quickly right it's yeah it's we actually need emotional coherence and we a big part of how we create emotional coherence meaning coherence survival coherence is through one of these systems and we might mix them a bit here and there but like and not be fully in one but like this is our coherence that and so that's so interesting. We have, it's like we are loading different software and the software has similar functions in some ways, but in some ways it's quite different, but they all, they're all logic with logical within themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, everything up to this point has this, uh, you know, singular truth, it, does that imply that like once you get to yellow, there's more of a, what I like to call like polygnosticism or, or uh, philosophical yep. pragmatism? Right. All those words are yellow words or second, they're tier two words. Yeah. So, so like, 
um, all of a sudden there's this breakout of, by the way, like every single, another very important thing for us all to remember is that every single change from one of these systems to another system, personal level, cultural level, requires turbulence, it requires pressure, it requires, there's challenges, it's not working. Like we have this incredible flood of information that it's not working, the RN system, right? And yet the system is so incredibly successful that it's not listening and that's the enormous cause of our frustration, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's still working too well for too many people or something like that. Right. So, right. So then at some point um, that you get into the tier two systems, which are yellow and then alternatively teal or turquoise. I'm a little confused by that, but so um, they, they are integrative. A We'll talk about yellow because that's much more, co- that's becoming, that was just barely coming in in the 60s, just like a few people that he talked to. Now it's okay. coming in a lot. Okay. It's all over the place. Systems thinking is a tier two idea. Gotcha. And actually since, you know, the teal or whatever is not even so much about thinking. So we can, we don't have to worry too much about teal. Teal is that very high spiritual, like I don't need a self anymore. Like I'm mm. all good. Very enlightened kind of like really going into a very enlightened place. Like I've, I've already been there and done that. I've already explored all those realms of, you know, being the big creator and like, I don't need that anymore. So, you know, I'm in yellow. Okay. Mostly. So (laughs) I'm creating and creating, 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 and integrating, 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 integrating. So spiral dynamics is a very yellow idea. Systems thinking is very yellow. Um, Yeah. Right. Reading a, a million books and chewing on everything that you possibly can and finding synthesis right. between them. I think you and I are, are both 100% yeah. on that mission. Yep. And a lot exactly. of the people that I know in the Creek Masons community are, are very yep. much. It's about uh, integrating or like what I'm doing in my business with my business partner uh, with Inspired Success is we're creating a community of humans who really want to make something beautiful with their lives that they love doing and giving and they want to understand how to do that in a way where they get to do it where they get the groceries are paid and they get to have a a vacation or an adventure every so often and they get to they get to do it you know what i'm saying like where that pays them and um we know that the money system is the operating system. So what we're doing is we're repurposing. This is something that yellow can do, which is really amazing. We can repurpose any of the good parts that we like from any of the other systems. So we're taking the brilliance of the orange entrepreneurial models and best practices, and we can extract them from their original context, mm-hmm. plug it in over here with a value structure and um, a set of goals that are more hu- more humanistic, human and life-giving. And we can, mm-hmm. we can craft this whole thing that is absolutely new and creates this space where it's possible to create thriving business things that create livelihoods that 
are life-giving. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it sounds like you are uh, running... I don't, you used the word incubator before and now it's stuck in my head, but you know, that does have that like tech startup connotation that I don't think is, it sounds like isn't appropriate, but it sounds like you're, you've created like a sandbox or a playground. An oasis. Um, oasis. I was just writing about it as an oasis um, where we can nurture all the little sprouts in the safety and comfort of this, warm place and we're all creating oases you're creating an oasis here you know this is an oasis because we get to try out in a a safer environment our different ideas and then like to take the plant metaphor on more like when these little sprouts get a little stronger and they get to be like a whole tree then maybe you can like plant it in the ground outside where there's wind and stuff for it to deal with yeah Um, but and and then it can spread in this wonderful way all over the world. But um, there, there, it's we're creating little cultures where things can accelerate. So, are you are you like are you looking for artists right now? Are you are you looking for people with business ideas or like? Yeah, what, definitely that? anyone that um, wants to uh, come, please uh, come. It's uh, inspired success together. Um, yeah. I should just double check what it is, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, you can always just uh, send it to me. I'll, I'll make sure it's in the show notes and on the website. Worth saying out loud. Yeah. I think we do have, yeah inspiredsuccesstogether.com will take you there inspiredsuccesstogether.com yeah so we're absolutely um and it's it's a curated community of very much yellow yellow entrepreneurs basically like that are and i think one of the big things about us all is like i can't help doing this i have to do this yeah you know? Now some of yeah. us have trust funds and 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 and, and rich spouses, or they, we had a, a, twenty years as an investment banker before we had our big awakening, and that's great. I'm really interested in the people that didn't have those things and like how we use the mechanisms of the RN systems to create to create mechanisms that propagate positivity through economics that we happen to have now. That's wonderful. So, yeah. Wonderful. I, you know, the, um, regardless of whether it's like by doing or by being, uh, I think that, you know, like I was saying the Paul Selig thing earlier, these, these like little nodes of the Creek Masons are one, uh, inspired creation together. What was it? Not, that's not it. Inspired Inspired success together. Inspired success together. Like these, these things are, um, beacons, I think of, you know, positivity and, and right. hopefully like positive change and, and, and potential for, for people to find deeper fulfillment in their lives and a way to contribute to, uh, to the, to society that doesn't, you know, necessarily involve degrading yourself, uh, which I think is really powerful. Oh, I mean, there's, a, I've done a lot of, you know, Eisenstein and, everything and um there's a there's a whole 
like theory behind this, I guess you could say, but it's just an intuition, but it's like, if we can thread this, the more we can, let me say it this way, the more we can thread this needle, we're doing something that hasn't been done before, really. Like, um, that was one, and that, oh, that's one of, that's is a, here's a very clear distinction between green and yellow. Green is like, I don't need money, man. You know, like, fuck money, yeah. fuck capitalism. Right. And yellow is like, I do need money. I need to understand how to utilize power and how do I do it wisely? Beautiful. Let's, let's figure it out together. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good place to end. It is like very King of Wands. Like, it you know, is, right? Card. I think that the whole way through we talked about, you know, empowerment and, uh, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's really interesting. I love the way that happens. Yeah. 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 It really is King of Wands. That's good. Uh, Well, thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for coming on, being a node in the net. It was a a wonderful pleasure talking to you. You too. You too. Stay connected. And I'd love to, uh, I will start listening to your, to your podcast and stay up with what you're, do you do TikTok? Are you doing? I, I, I guess I didn't um, see. I didn't check. Uh, give me, give me one second. I love this type of stuff that like you and Jonathan and Otto do, uh, and other people who like they're talking right into the camera and they've got like the hot take. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the, yeah. the exposition. These like mini essays are beautiful. Yeah, I, exactly. I and I want to do that myself, but I have to figure out a way to do it that doesn't involve my face. <laughs> I, I hear you. I, I hear you. Um, there's a guy, there's an Irish guy who's like a philosopher, and he 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 will like take pictures, basically B-roll. He'll take pictures of him walking out in the heath or whatever it is with his dog. Yeah. And then he has a nice clear title on the top, and then he's He's got his Irish accent explaining some idea about philosophy and like that mm. works pretty well. That works pretty well. I might yeah. I might try that. I do have yeah. one video that's kind of like that on on a uh, an account that I'm trying to start up for like a shared account for the Creek Masons. Mm. Uh, maybe I'll do more stuff like that like little hiking videos or something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's <laughs> good. I mean it's so interesting because this format the format yeah, it seems like it's probably mostly geared to making a bunch of money, obviously, but it ha- does have this amazing ability to find people. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, I don't think they think that's bad, you know what I mean? Like, but it somehow finds these little communities, you know what I mean? It's probably yeah. not their first intention. They need, that's the, that's the capitalism problem that I was going to say earlier is like, it, I think it does that because it needs to, because capitalism needs it to. Yeah, because the computers are set up to do that because blah, because blah, because blah, um, that it's no one person doing it. It's the it's everyone's in in it. But yeah. meanwhile, it has this really wonderful ability to create this brain, these connections where it miraculously people appear. Yeah, are interested you're interesting, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm finding uh, TikTok to be and and like 
the podcast universe, the whole sort of surveillance capitalism apparatus seems to like to nudge us into these archetypical uh, identities. But that means that suddenly we're finding the others. We're finding, yeah. you know, like true representation. You know, we're both white men. It should be easy for us to find representation in the right. media or But really, yeah, it, right. it, it didn't happen for me until like 2020 when I started seeing you know, as a, where are you located? What's that? Where are you located? Uh, I'm, I'm right near you actually. I'm in, uh, I'm in the Bay area. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Theoretically you'd find a lot of people like you here, but not maybe necessarily, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's my antisocial demeanor or something. I have like resting bitch face when I'm out in public. I don't, I can't explain it, but I like, it it wasn't until recently that I started, I've like joined this network of like discord communities and stuff. And I'm really finding people that I vibe with and you're one of them. And I, I, yeah, you too. I I mean, well, I, there's a thing I heard recently about like brain research or whatever, but it was like that people actually harmonize who have matching brain patterns. Like it just made me think about mm-hmm. that, that it's like, um, or I, I went out with this woman the other day on a date and she was very, very amazing. And then she didn't want to date me anywhere. Like I feel, okay, this is a very wise woman. She probably just feels it's not matching brain patterns. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. anything about me or it's literally not matching brain patterns. And I have a hard time for sure, because like, I don't, I mean, um, I've been, thanks to TikTok, I've been in these connections with these different men who are like awakening, awake, curious, open, vulnerable. And you know, it's, that's a whole other thing is men, but like most of my friends have been women. Because it's like they speak a language I'm interested in speaking a lot of the time. And I'm like, where are the men? You know what I mean? But like, so yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, that's great. I want to, I want to like maybe offline we can talk about this, but I want to figure out how we can like merge or synergize our communities. Yeah. I I would love to get everyone all in, in one place and really like, you know, pour some gasoline this fire absolutely absolutely keep keep pushing that keep pushing that yeah cool Uh, so uh i i think uh let's keep talking but i'm going to stop recording yeah Uh, but (laughs) thank you so much for joining us chris burbridge our resident wizard who you can find on (laughs) on the internet and uh on on this podcast, which was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye.